Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of the Zeno Podcast, Business Resilience Series. I'm Pari Natarajan, CEO of Zeno, and I'll be your host for today. Today we have with us Sandeep Kalra, CEO of Persistent Systems. Sandeep also serves on Persistence Board as an Executive Director. He's helping the transformation of Persistent from a niche technology player into a multifaceted, new-age digital transformation partner to their customers. With more than 25 years of experience in the IT services industry, Sandeep has held many leadership positions at the likes of HCL, Harman, Symphony Telecom. Welcome to this episode, Sandeep. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, Pari. Sandeep, you work with a range of technology companies and regularly meet with CXOs at these firms. Can you give us a view on the current state of enterprise software landscape and how are they impacted by the current market trends? Ari, the enterprise software industry has experienced significant fluctuations in recent years. While the acceleration in digital adoption induced by the pandemic has positively impacted the industry, the troika of rising inflation, Russia-Ukraine conflict, the subsequent action by the Fed leading to interest rates rising over the last 9 to 12 months have created significant headwinds for the industry. The industry markers such as deaccelerating revenue growth, declining public company and private company valuations, and drying VC fundings are just small illustrations of the challenges very clear. You work with a various set of customers. You have worked with hyperscalers, you work with private equity funded companies, you work with VC funded companies, you work with publicly traded software companies. Are the trends different across these segments? So interestingly, all these four you know, segments, the hyperscalers, the horizontal, vertical, public listed companies, specifically the ones that have gone public over the last several years, the PE-owned companies and VC-backed digital natives, all of these are having different kind of dynamics. So just to give you examples, when we look at hyperscalers, we are talking about companies like AWS or the Amazon AWS part of it, Azure part of it, GCP and so on. So while the pandemic led to a lot of acceleration for these companies and they signed significant backlog for their cloud services, they are now facing headwinds in making those backlogs translate into revenues for themselves. And that's where the enterprises are getting a little bit more shy in cloud adoption because they've seen cloud bills rise significantly on consumption. And they are looking to partners like ourselves to prudently work with the cloud provider and the enterprise to have use cases that can drive consumption and get that backlog to revenue. If we look at the private equity-based companies, now certain number of these transactions happened over the last several years. A typical private equity transaction has a life cycle of three to five years. And depending on where in that life cycle the transaction is, the, the company is, they have to now wait out this whole cycle a little longer because revenue acceleration is not happening at the pace that they wanted. So it's about you know cost optimization It's while innovating at the same time. So there is a different dynamic in the PE companies. And if you look at VC-funded companies, let's say late-stage companies, which were hoping to either go public or you know, be exiting towards a strategic and so on, they have a similar kind of challenge as well, where conserving the cash and each of these PE companies, whether it's Sequoia, whether it's others, are asking their portfolio companies to conserve cash at least till 2025. And so very different dynamics playing out. It is all about doing more with less. 
innovating while conserving cash on things which are business as usual and this is also throwing up very good opportunities for companies to become leaner and stronger and for partners like us to engage meaningfully Uh, interesting that you you talked about your work with enterprise and how you're working with hyperscalers to help their customers move on to cloud but also you work in healthcare and bfsi several of your customers on those areas and they've seen a massive tech adoption over the last few years and how are they reacting to the current if you may call it slow down are they slowing down their technology spend or they continue to accelerate or is there any change you see in the enterprise segment especially in the bfsi healthcare so in today's economic climate any enterprise you know whether it is in bfsi healthcare or other industry segments they're all facing headwinds from rising cost because of inflation and a slowing economy given the geopolitical issues and the various other dynamics related to that now all these businesses are reassessing their investments in innovation and digital initiatives it's not this that they are trying to stop those initiatives it's about you know doing those initiatives reprioritizing the spend looking at what is must have in these environments and within that also looking at trends where you could achieve let's say if you were spending 100 dollars on a digital program how can first you reprioritize get it to 90 and within that 90 using globalization and other near shore offshore you know kind of partners etc drive even more so that you are able to while you're reducing the spend do more with that spend and keep the critical parts of your digital transformation alive because a number of these initiatives are long range initiatives second what we are seeing is in covid times there was a trend that you know started which was deprioritizing physical investments and putting them in technology investments so to give you an example the banks at that point in time whatever was their strategy to open your branches they reprioritized that so they basically deprioritized physical branches got away from that strategy launched more and more digital products healthcare also became more digital in nature so a number of those things are continuing so the tech spend is getting impacted but it is not the first spend to get impacted so while yes we will see reprioritization reallocation of dollars the programs are still continuing and we need to work with our customers to get the priorities right and also you know see what needs to go on cloud and other things and so on and so forth one of the things which has happened in the last 6 months is the pace of technology innovations continue to accelerate right with open ai generative ai coming in when the companies add a, a digital transformation roadmap now they are looking at hey what is this new technology coming in how do i look at those experiments continue to invest on those experiments because that could be very disruptive plus still drive efficiency you're seeing that in enterprise asking you questions around hey what are these new technologies coming in and are you being their digital transformation partner mm-hmm. how do they want to partner with you so this whole trend about open ai part being initiated by microsoft the chat gpts of this world while there's a lot of buzz around it now this train started a few years back so we have been working with our customers and we have been trying to see whether it is about increasing our own developer productivity on programs that we execute for them whether we are doing product development or we are working with enterprise companies even things like their own employee facing initiatives can be used chatbots etc integrate technologies like a chat gpt and in an environment where not everything needs to go back to the cloud so there are ways and means of using these technologies in more a private kind of an incident so we have a cto organization that has been working on this we have about 150 people dedicated to innovations like this at any point in time and so yeah there are some good initiatives and there are some early adopters and there are some people who are waiting and watching we are starting to see the slowdown but the technology innovation cycle has not slowed down the enterprise adoption of technology is not really slowing down 
So going back to the enterprise software sector, right, which is what we started with, it's just they're kind of in this mode where they got to continue to accelerate innovation, but they got to do more with less. Right? They can't invest like what they did in, in two years. So what are the transformation levers are they starting to pull? Because if they slow down on innovation, there's lots of interesting VC-funded companies which could potentially go and gain market share. So they can't afford not to innovate, but they can't afford to spend as much as they spent during the last two years. How are you helping them in navigating these tough times? There are multiple different kinds of companies within the enterprise software companies, and there are different horses for different courses. So for example, if we are looking at companies that went public in the last two, three years, now a number of these companies were very fast growing companies. And since they were growing very fast, they never worried about globalization. They never worried about, you know, balancing their spend between, let's say, the professional services part being entirely onshore versus whatever else. For companies like that, where the revenue acceleration has now slowed down to your point of rule of 40 and their valuations, etc., have got hit and their profitability will further go down because the revenue acceleration is declining. The things that we are discussing with CXOs out there are prioritization in terms of globalization, prioritizations in terms of functions, you know, things like professional services can be done like a science. Not every professional services implementation needs to start ground up and be custom. And last but not the least, as an organization, for example, we deal with enterprises and those are customers or potential customers to these software companies as well. Having a thicker alignment on a go-to market and putting reference architectures for different plays within an enterprise partnering with these companies. So that is the kind of thing that we are doing, let's say, with the companies that are newly public and so on. For companies that are mature companies that have been in existence, they may be large public companies or whatever else, there are product portfolio rationalizations that are happening. There's site consolidations that are happening. There is captive takeovers that are happening. So there are different plays for different parts of markets, but the essential underlying theme is kind of intermittent fasting where you are basically going on a diet, making sure that you are cutting the spend where it can be cut while fueling your innovation and not stepping back on the competitive differentiation that you want to create. So there are different initiatives like that. One of the other things we hear, Sandeep, is re-platforming because they've they've bought a whole lot of companies, uh, acquired a bunch of companies, and each of these companies have their own source code. They are supporting customers. So your maintenance services, all of that adds to the cost. Are you seeing that as an opportunity where companies are starting to look at, hey, can I get all of these together in a platform? So there are two distinct opportunities. One on the enterprise software side, where it could be consolidation of products, retiring some products, putting them in a BAU mode and so on. Second on the enterprise side. And when I talk of enterprise, think of even online retailers and so on. What is happening there is they are moving from a traditional or a legacy stack to some parts on the cloud not just for cost optimization, but for business agility. So we are working with one of the largest online retailers. And here they have chosen, for example, Google Cloud. So the whole initiative here is to use not just the lift shift and optimize cost, but use analytics to basically streamline business and get even more agility in attracting business customers, whether it's B2B, B2C. And it's like doing a segment of one and making them much agile in their marketing campaigns and so many different things happening but all towards increased business agility and reduction of cost got it so one other dimension when we talk to ceos and cxos they say that if you're collecting a whole lot of data we call it digital transformation one daughter right you put put all the data you, you put it on cloud now we are going through this tough macro situation 
And we need more tighter control on how we run the company, right? And how do I drive analytics and insights from the data, what we have already collected around customers, employees, business operations. And so that seemed like a, another trend, what we are seeing. Are you also starting to see analytics as a key area for them to get more control on this ship? Again, multiple things happening there. It's analytics for their operations. Uh-huh. Analytics for analyzing the customers, customer behavior, customer requirements. What is it that the analytics can lead to in terms of revenue acceleration? So one is optimizing your own selves. The second is revenue acceleration. And third, there's another trend underneath all this where a number of these companies went to the cloud. A number of these cloud platforms, while they provided them all these flexibility and nimbleness and so on, the costs have spiraled. So they are questioning that as well. So there is something called cloud remediation, digital remediation that is being talked about now in the CXOs, you know, the boardrooms and so on, where it is about doing all these what we talked about, but also making sure that this is done prudently. And some of this is not going to the cloud. Some of this is being done on-prem and combination of cloud and so on and so forth to contain costs. So it's getting all the benefits, but doing it at a cost that you can afford. Got it. You work with companies like OutSystems and Appian, which are largely low-code, some no-code providers. In some level, it's disruptive, right? One say, hey, I can work at a low-cost location or I can use low-code, no-code solution. Or now with GitHub Copilot, that is going to create codes. When you go and talk to customers as a product engineering service provider or digital transformation provider, do they look at these technologies as in some level competition to your engineering capability? Or they think of this as augmenting your capability? This is definitely augmenting the capability. So if you were to do a parallel, if you have a car that is more intelligent, and if it has driver assist in different forms and shapes, it is not a replacement for the driver. It is a tool for the driver to be more safe, more secure. Now, if you look at OutSystems or Appian or any other low-code, no-code company, we are using these platforms for a rapid application modernization or rapid application development. And all of these are tools in the service of the business problems that the customer is trying to solve. And we are truly a trusted partner. At the end of the day, we have to do what is right for the business. And there's enough work for everyone and more to be done. All these are very good tools. And we are seeing big programs one way or the other based on all this. Great. And you did mention that you're one of the fastest growing engineering services firm. Congratulations. I think it's a great achievement, especially with the kind of a roller coaster ride the market is going through over the last few years. How are you navigating the current scenario, the CEO of one of the fastest growing company? Pari, it is the same thing that we do with our customers. If we are t- looking at their business and advising them on how to optimize, we you know, basically dog food our own thoughts ourselves. So just to give you the proof point of that, not only have we increased our business 35% year on year last year, for example, our profitability has improved better than that. So we have not only accelerated our revenues, but we have executed well. Now, underlying that, there are various themes, starting from you know building a good franchise of capabilities so that we are very relevant to our customer base. So not only have we invested organically in building capabilities over the last several years, we have deployed roughly $200 million of our capital in acquiring more capabilities on the Salesforce stack. So for example, we acquired a company which had MuleSoft capabilities, marketing cloud capabilities. We have acquired companies in the Azure GCP space. We have acquired companies in the BFSI vertical in payments. So wherever we believe there's an addressable market that is very attractive for us in line with our capabilities and where we can become even more sharper a tool in our customer's toolkit, we have put our money to work. And today, based on that, we have been winning even more deals, whether it is our own 
existing customers or prospects. So it's about bringing the right talent through all these acquisitions and growing our own talent. Last but not the least, see, our industry is a talent-based industry. So we have to you know, make sure that the talent that we are grooming, nurturing, there are it is here with us for the longer run. So we have campus programs on one side. On the other side, we have 80% of our employees covered in employee stock option plan, which in our industry is unheard of. And I would say even in the broader industry, there may be only three or four companies that, that, that are public at that scale and who have 80% of their employees covered in the stock option plan. What it means is as we do well, our employees not only have a very good career path, but they're also creating wealth for themselves. And it is very good for our customers because they get to have, you know, folks who are very good from a technical perspective and who have longevity with the firm and with the customers as they work on. Great. So it seems like you're doing a lot of things, uh, Sandeep. How does, give us a view on what a regular day for you looks like. So a regular day, you know, it's all very exciting. Look, we, we are working in a global world. So today we are about 22,600 of us globally. A significant amount of, you know, our workforce is global. India, Europe, US. So earlier in the day, it starts off with our India side of the house. During the day, it's customers. Sometimes it's customers and investors because we are a public company. We have to take care of our various stakeholders. And the evenings, you know, end up with a few small calls with India and so on. Yeah, there are downtimes, but you know, this is this is fun for me. These are exciting times for us. Last four years for us has seen pretty good acceleration of revenues, good customer acquisition, and so so all good. Yep. Thanks, Sandeep. Um, sounds like you're keeping your day very exciting and your insights around how the enterprise software industry is changing and what are different ways they are improving and optimizing their business and the role uh, Persistent System is playing as a trusted partner to enable the transformation among your customer base. That's all for today's episode. We'll be back soon with another episode, another industry veteran. Till then, Take care and stay curious. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenove Podcast.